Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to Mojo Sports, the NRL show, episode 28. My name is Dan Frost, and as always, supported by the best panel in the business, well, tonight, uh, I've just got Tasha here with me, and uh, uh, we know Alicia tonight, uh, feeling a little bit under the weather, so um, Tash, uh, I guess our listeners, they get to, to hear our, our usual off-air banter, but uh, yeah, we get, to, we get to bring it to one of our episodes. Um, the question I've got for you off the top is, who's your favourite coach in the NRL right now? Yeah, Dan, look, I, I can't go past uh, Bellyache, Craig Bellamy. I think, you know, like... He's created such an incredible culture there um, with the Melbourne Storm, and he's he's been he's the reason why they're competing, you know, in finals every year. What sort of team um, can you know lose through retirement? Cronk, Slater, Smith, and it's almost seamless the way Bellamy has has orchestrated his team through that. You saw Manly fall apart when they lose, you know, um, Tom Travojevic for a few. For you know, out for games, but Craig just keeps coming up with the players, keeps coming up with those final footy teams. Yeah, no, it, it's interesting because you know some of these, some of these great coaches, you know, when they get, you know, when they become part of these dynasties with all of these, you know, future immortal players, you know, there there is that little question mark on them, isn't it? It's like, well, how much of it was Craig, and how much of it was Slater, English, you know, Inglis, Cam Smith, the goat. Uh, well, he's he's quickly, you know, he's obviously been able to reestablish himself. But Tasha, the other the other thing I've got on Craig um, is the, the personality differences as well. You know, like he's obviously been able to, you know, manage the the big high profile personalities with Cooper Cronk, Billy Slater, and Cam Smith. But whilst those guys are larrikins, and I'm sure they have a laugh. He's got this next generation of, you know, uh, I, I guess uh, troublemakers, you know, in a way, uh, you know, with with Brandon Smith, the cheese, um, you know, with with, with Cam Munster. I, I guess he's shown that, um, you know, he can basically coach anyone and get the best out of them. Yeah, he sure can. And, um, you know, it, Brandon Smith, he is he is a character, and I just love the. Um, you know the the change room and the the off field banter and the relationship that he's got with Bellamy. It's it's something good for the spectators, and um, it shows you what a what a real special coach that Craig Bellamy is. Well, in terms of my selection for my favorite coach in the game right now, it's Trent Robinson. Now, you know, I, I just there's this parallel universe where Trent Robinson is coaching the Newcastle Knights and. You know, we're sort of, you know, we've won four, five premierships and, you know, it's just becoming so easy. But, uh, you know, whilst Trent did have a little bit of a stint uh, in the lower grades in, in Newcastle, he uh, he went up the freeway to the Sydney Roosters, Tash, and my God, he, he has... I mean, and, and this this is where, you know, when you, when you think about, you know, jobs becoming vacant, it's always about, you know, recycling the same sort of, the same coaches, but... You know the Sydney Roosters. You know one of the one of the best clubs in the competition. They took a risk on a young coach, and you know they they struck gold. Yeah, they they certainly did. He was certainly up there as one of my favourite coaches. 
Yeah, no, he's he's an absolute great player, and I think you know one of the things that he's been able to bring to it is just the analytical side. You know, he's been able to break down our game um, to the nth degree. You know, beyond what a lot of other coaches have been able to do, but but also simplify his messages to his team. And you know, this year I think was his greatest coaching performance. You know, with all of those injuries, all of those retirements, he was somehow still able to get a to get a let's call it for what it is, a reserve grade team with James Tedesco um, leading the way. Um, he was able to get them to the final. So, no, great job from Trent. Yeah, he sure, he sure did. And uh, even in the halves, when when you saw the injuries, you know, with Luke Keary, et cetera, he brought these young kids through and his knowledge of the game gave them confidence exactly what to do. So, yeah, great coach. Yeah, and I'm sure he had a few sleepless, restless nights and he was very stressed out of his mind, but he certainly, um, you know, he certainly didn't show it. He, he was unfazed the entire season. He, he knew what he was in for. But, um, yeah, look out season 2022 because uh, they're going to be something. All right, well, let's jump into our first segment for tonight, the huddle. Leave no regrets out there. That is what a real champion is made of. We're a different footy team and we've got a point of difference about us. This is the biggest moment in several of these players' football lives. Champion players, champion club. I want to be king in your story. I want to know. Yeah, and this week on the huddle, well, we've got the the cautionary tale of the Canberra Raiders. Tasha, I say that because there's a few clubs in this situation at the moment where they're floating in and around the top four. You know, South Sydney come to mind. Parramatta are, are another club where you you would say their premiership window's open at the moment. You know, they've got a great roster and there's that opportunity, but they're just not quite getting it done. Well, the cautionary tale is the Canberra Raiders because. This team was in the NRL Grand Final in, in, in 2019, only a couple of seasons ago. But, like, has, has their premiership window closed? Yeah, Dan. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. It's um, incredible. Like, even at the start of 2021, I think every punter would have had the Raiders, you know, in, playing finals footy, if not in the top four. But, you know, they finished 10th. And I think everything that could go wrong for Ricky went wrong, not just on the field, but all the off-field off fiascos, you know, like with people, you know, homesick needing to go with your, with the revolving door of the fullbacks, with the spine, which you always talk about, you've got to have a consistent settled spine and the Raiders had anything but that this year. Yeah, and I, and I guess it's just that pre-season that we're in at the moment where you sort of, you know, you're looking at, at your, your favourite team's roster and you're trying to predict where they're headed, and you're exactly right. Coming into the 2021 season, no one could have imagined that, you know, just everything imploded for the Raiders. But let's go through it slowly, and let's just see what exactly went wrong. Let's start with the injury to their fullback, Charles Nickel Clockstar, because, you know, when you think about, you know, some of the top elite, you know, fullbacks in the game, they've been pretty well established. We spoke about James Tedesco. Chance, he was really coming on. Off those those grand final appearances, you could tell that, you know, whilst fullback was still a, a new position for him, he was just starting to find form and, you know, unfortunately, you know, injuries, injuries uh, got in the way. Yeah, and that can be really disheartening, obviously for Chance, but for the, for the whole team. He was really finding his feet there at fullback and then, you know, injuries. He ended up missing 17 games. 
Yeah, no, it's uh, it was really, really tough. And I feel like, you know, the, the vibes that this Canberra Raiders side has shown in the past is they're not one that can blow you off the park with a lot of points. And certainly in 2021, they really struggled to score points. And you've just got to look at a team that, you know, if they do traditionally struggle, you know, a player like Charns, you take you take him out of the equation. And it can be as simple as that, you know, if you're unable to score points, um, yeah, very, very difficult for the Canberra Raiders to overcome. But that... That wasn't it. Uh, that wasn't the only thing. So we'll go through and have a bit of a look. The next one that I wanted to call out was their captain, Jared Croker. Now, you know, when you think about Jared in his prime, he's a player that's probably unlucky to have not played State of Origin. In fact, every year that, you know, a lot of the, you know, the conversation, the debate was, you know, who, who's going to make the State of Origin team? Jared's name was, was right there. And at his absolute peak, Tasha, he was very close to getting selected. Again, like a lot of players in this squad, you know, didn't quite have the... the um, they didn't quite have the season that he would have liked. His form was down, and it makes it very, very difficult when your captain's struggling. Yeah, it sure does, especially when you're hit with injuries, especially when you've got the, you know, off-field dramas going on. You really look to your cam- uh, to your captain, and um, Jared just didn't have the year that everybody needed him to, to have so that the others could step up with him. Yeah, and let's move now to their... Well, they're, they're, they've got a couple of star players uh, in their squad, and we'll get to a couple of them. But one of them um, is their is their absolute out and out superstar in Jack White, and their five eight. But Tasha, you know, he's an interesting player because he's not your traditional uh, he's not your traditional five eight. You know, he has you know dominated at the highest levels as a pure running um, you know footballer and. You know, whilst he has started at, at, at that state level, again, you know, he probably didn't have, you know, the best season, you know, based on his own, I, I guess, based on his own expectations. I mean, you know, this, this guy's won a daily M. Yeah, exactly. And he, as you said, Dan, he's a he's a running 5'8". Um, and running 5'8s need like a general in the number seven so that the, the number six can do their thing. Um, there was way too much expectation and pressure, I think, put on, on Jack and his game that he just couldn't find the form that he'd, he'd shown us in the previous seasons. And, um, you know, things for the Raiders just kept falling apart. Yeah, he, he had to play uh, halfback and he is, he's, he's, far from, uh, he's far from halfback. He definitely needs to continue to play in that, in that running 5'8 role. But, you know, I, that, that, I'm going to give him a little bit of a pass there. But one thing I am going to ping him on, Tasha, was his kicking game. You know, yes, we know that he doesn't have the most um, conventional um, kicking game, you know, compared to some of the elite kickers in the game. Nathan Cleary, Adam Reynolds, things like that. But that's something that he really does need to work on in, in the in the offseason. There were far too many kicks that, you know, under fatigue, he was kicking out on the full. Just something at this level he really needs to clean up. Yeah, you, you cannot afford to do that, like the basics of, of, of the kick. Just... You know, don't kick it out on the full. And I tell you what, if um, if I'm the number six and I'm kicking it out on the full, making those errors not just once but a few times, I'm too scared to come off the field and face Ricky. I don't know how he managed it. Yeah, and I think those uh, I think those tapes are getting replayed at the moment in preseason as well, just to really highlight that. And look, you know, you know, you can be a superstar, you can be the best player in a football team, but you're certainly not immune to making mistakes. But um, Jack, he really needs to clean things up. All right, well, let, let's talk through probably the biggest uh, reason why the, the, the season um, sort of struggled, and that was their that was their halfback uh, in George Williams. Now, you know, George came in, um, you know, fr- from the UK, and Tasha, I've spoken about this before. 
Canberra have got a really interesting situation where traditionally they've had a lot of trouble recruiting players to the club. You know, they've had a lot of they've had a lot of challenges getting the superstars to, to come there. So a few years ago, Ricky, you know, he was up one night, uh, you know, probably just trying to wonder, you know, how can he how can he get this this team back to where they need to be? And he thought, how about I go to the UK? You know, because it is it has been an untapped market. And, you know, whilst over the years we've seen a few forwards come out and, and, and play really, really well, we haven't really seen a lot of skilled players um, succeed in the NRL. So Ricky Stewart, he took a massive gamble going to the UK, um, going to Wigan and getting George Williams over. And, you know, for a period of time it was successful, but ultimately it didn't probably end the way that anyone would have liked. Yeah, Dan, look, I'm, I'm not sure if anybody knows the full story um, behind there. I'm sure there's a, a lot more going on. But, yeah, George Williams, he was getting the job done. Um, he, he's, he's a half coming over and he seemed to work um, for us. But, you know, he left us because he was, you know, homesick um, as early as round 11. And then the knock-on effect from there, I think um, it really affected um, Ricky's, you know, relationship in the change rooms with maybe a couple of other key players. Um, there's rumours, always rumours swelling around that, but um, I think it may have affected his relationship, you know, with Josh Hodgson. Um, so, like I said, poor Sticky, you know, everything that went wrong or could go wrong did go wrong. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And look, you, you've got to sympathise with, uh, you know, with the home uh, sickness situation. And, uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, you, you take the you take the risk in getting these UK players in. Um, but yeah, it wasn't wasn't to be. So Canberra really need to find a way uh, to, you know, be able to compete with some of the high level uh, clubs in the competition and recruit to Canberra. Uh, it isn't exactly the most appealing place to live, but uh, anyway, they they may need to they may need to figure that out. Not to pile on, but things didn't get any easier. There were a few other ch- um, challenges for them. Natasha, a particular player uh, that we do have to call out is Josh Hodson because really unique player. Not since uh, I guess Cam Smith, and even then, I wouldn't say the entire structure was set around Cam. You know, there there were there were other superstars within that within that scheme, within that structure that were successful in Melbourne. Here in Canberra, literally Ricky Stewart gave the keys to Josh Hodgson. The whole team was in and around this 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 one player. He was outstanding. He was, you know, he was competing with Cam Smith as one of the best hookers in the game. But again, his form absolutely plummeted um, this season. And uh, yeah, it just makes it very, very difficult when you build around one guy and, um, you know, he doesn't have the best year. Yeah, it's just another thing that, that went wrong. Um, I find he's he was touted as the second best hooker running around, um, and he is that sort of Cam Smith style of hooker. Like we talk about, you know, um, your cooks darting out from dummy half with that um, awesome pace and whatnot. But Josh, he's got the ability. He didn't show it well this season, but he really does pick the defensive line apart. He plays that smart footy very much in the, in the likes of uh, Cam Smith. And, and he can be an exceptionally value, valuable player, but um, he just didn't show everything he's got this year. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I, I, I think it does show a little bit of a shortage of dummy halves in the NRL because, 
you know, I just feel like if there were, if there was a lot of talent in this position, if there was a lot of talented uh, youngsters sort of coming through in and around the competition, they probably would have moved on from Josh. There's still a lot of rumours around him maybe not sticking around there in Canberra. And, uh, yeah, I've got my suspicions that he'll uh, see out the next few years um, down there in the capital. But, you know, one thing's for sure, one thing that's in his control, the club's control, is he needs to play better football. Um, and I think that's a common theme with a lot of these stars. Yes, it's you know a bit of sympathy for the players that were injured, but for the players who were out there and didn't perform, uh, they've really got to uh, get it together. Uh, Tasha, let's let's move through now to some more, uh, I guess, positive stories for Canberra because there were a few. Um, let's start with this little hooker uh, from the Newcastle Knights system, Tom Starling. Um, again, he's a little fella. Uh, he came in off the bench, but wow, he certainly he certainly impressed, and he and he needed to given um, Josh's struggles. Yeah, he he certainly did make make um, an impact, and you can be that little player coming out at hooker. And Starling is one of those players that can do that. Now, if Josh Hodgson ends up, there's rumour he's going to the to the Tigers. I have no doubt that Starling can fill those, um, be the starting number nine uh, for the Raiders, definitely. Yeah, and probably at a tenth of the cost as well, as I'm sure this club is probably, you know, looking at their salary cap situation and trying to work out uh, where to next. Well, uh, let's, again, you you know, you're speaking of good news. Uh, You know, Tush, you know, you think about George Williams, uh, you know, moving on. Um, Sam Williams obviously filled in mightily. You know, he's he's that... you know, hard-nosed halfback. He's been around for, for a period of time, um, you know, mostly in reserve grade. You know, he's done a stint overseas as well. Um, but ultimately, this this team, this club, needed to go out and sign a halfback. Tash, one of the things that was really, really interesting about this club is they didn't sign anyone from the 2021 off-contract halfback class. You know, like, I'm sitting back watching a club that is in desperate need of a halfback, and they're letting Sean Johnson pass by. They're letting Adam Reynolds pass by. They're not inquiring on Nico Hines, or if they are, we're not hearing about it. I'm sitting back going, you know, what what is this club doing? Um, you know, it worked out in the end. We're going to talk a little bit about who they signed, but talk to us a little bit about that. That was very perplexing at the time. It was, Dan, because they were screaming for, for you know, a decent halfback, and these marquee halfbacks uh, were coming off contract. And you heard, you know, all the clubs that were after them, but did you hear from Canberra? Not a thing. So, you know, look, I don't know whether Ricky had this long-term plan to, to grab uh, Jamal Fogarty from the from the Titans, but I find it hard to believe when you're needing a halfback so much at, that you don't go out there and try to get those marquee halfbacks that were coming off contract. I, yeah, it's got me very perplexed. Yeah, no, and, and, and you just wonder um, how early talks were happening around Jamal. I mean, it, it's difficult, you know, he... Uh, you know, obviously the, the halves situation up there at the Gold Coast wasn't exactly um, cemented. But, uh, you know, let's talk about Jamal Fogarty, who uh, has signed for the Canberra Raiders. Um, you know, Tash, you know, given the situation Canberra in, you know, the players that they, you know, quote-unquote missed out on or whether they didn't try and uh, go after. But, you know, he's, he's a good pickup. I mean, this, this guy was the captain up there at the Gold Coast, you know, I guess, you know, athletically, you know, he's probably not an elite player, but, you know, he's certainly NRL um, standard. You know, he, he has shown leadership qualities off the field. And um, at the end of the day, this club just needs someone to take some pressure off Jack Whiten. Look, if anybody can pick a, a number seven, um, I suppose Ricky Stewart's the man because he knows so much about that position. And so maybe we've, we've got to think, you know, give uh, Ricky the benefit of the doubt and maybe he sees something really, really so- solid in Jamal Fogarty. I mean, like you said, he was captain 
So he can take control, he can communicate, and maybe he is the answer that um, that can let, you know, Jack Whiten play his game, his running game at number six. I mean, I hope for Ricky's sake that that that's how it turns out next year. Yeah, and one of the things that he does fit into is a real physical, tough, you know, running style of play uh, there in Canberra. And I say that because of their forward pack, because we've spoken about the woes, all of their challenges and things that I'm sure Ricky Stewart's trying to address. But, Tasha, one thing that they're not short of is a quality front rower. I mean, this forward pack led by Josh Papali'i, I mean... It, it, it is one of the best in the competition. So whilst there are question marks around other parts of the roster, nothing wrong with this forward pack and certainly one that you would expect to, to kind of you know, dominate most clashes week in, week out. Yeah, definitely, Dan. Their, their forward pack, you know, especially on paper, is absolutely outstanding. You mentioned Josh Papali'i. I don't think he hit his, he found his true form this season, but um, they've the Raiders still have a really strong forward pack and if Josh finds the form um, that he's shown and leads that forward pack and if they get a settled spine then yeah the Raiders can go really really well but there's a lot of ifs all these things have to happen yeah and I think part of the success of this club is they need to get value for money you know obviously they're unable to go out and sign these big superstars that want to move to Canberra but they kind of get these cast off players you know and if they can get value from them then there's certainly a chance. And, and a couple of those players, you know, Corey Awira Naira, obviously we've heard about his off-field troubles in the past. Um, we've got Adam Elliott, who's heading down uh, to Canberra, you know, uh, putting all of their off-field stuff to a side. They're good, quality, they're, they're good quality footballers. And if they can go out and produce, that will certainly help. Elliott Whitehead, uh, you know, he's he's certainly been a, been a really good player. Um, I also like the look of Hudson Young, again, another hunter boy. He's, uh, he's certainly playing some good football. Uh, but ultimately, uh, I think consistency has certainly been a big challenge. Um, speaking of consistency, all the challenges, all the pros, the cons, Tasha, our job is to try and come up with a bit of a prediction as to where this team is headed in season 2022. Um, you know, obviously, it'd be good to, it, it would be good to see a couple of trial matches, but here we are. What's, our, what's your sort of feeling on this one? Well, they, like we said, the forward pack looks outstanding. If um, Jamal Fogarty can you know, be the halfback that Ricky obviously believes he can be and if they, um, their spine re- remains injury-free. Um, they've got a great little centre that um, I meant to mention, haven't done that, but Matt uh, Tomoko, if they can get him more early ball, he's outstanding, he's strong, he's got great footwork. Um, yeah, look, they've got to have a better season than, um, than they did this year, but I just can't see it and... Um, Hope Ricky's not listening, but yeah, they finished tenth this year, and I've got them tenth next year. Yeah, look, uh, you know, and, and quickly, just speaking of um, young, talented players, another player that I wanted to call out was Xavier Savage. He looks like some footballer. So, um, you know, obviously, we need to look at his contract situation, get him locked down. Canberra have a, you know, have a bit of a history of some of their young stars getting getting picked off and poached by the clubs, and with the Dolphins coming in, um, you know, that's certainly uh, more prevalent than ever. So, lockdown Xavier. But uh, look, in terms of my predictions. I'm with you. Um, for me, they're just they're, they're, there's not a lot of depth in this club in those key positions. You know, ideally, and I know it's very difficult, but you know, you want a couple of fullbacks, you want a couple of halves, you want a couple of five eights, a couple of hookers, and there's just not that depth. So again, they're just very vulnerable. Um, they're just very, very vulnerable to injuries. So with that in mind, injuries will happen um, to to all clubs next season. I, I think they're going to finish twelfth or thirteenth, um, unfortunately. 
All right, well, let's jump into our next segment for tonight, the match. The most anticipated match in history, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Yeah, Natasha, I spoke in a parallel universe. Uh, Trent Robinson is coaching the Newcastle Knights to their fifth or sixth premiership. That's not the case. Uh, instead, he's uh, he's certainly up there coaching uh, the Sydney Roosters and... I guess the two players uh, that we're going to be talking about tonight just epitomise, you know, the brilliant squad that he has at his disposal. Uh, the two players we have um, coming up against each other tonight, Angus Crichton and Victor Radley. Let's start with, with Crichton because, uh, well, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you take it away. Again, um, some footballer. Yeah, Crichton is absolutely sensational footballer. I mean, this is a really good matchup, Crichton um, and Radley, that we'll talk about in a minute. Crichton is re- he's a really strong uh, back rower, and what I love in this day and age is he's a consistently good performer, and I think you know that's really great with his powerful runs. He does it game in, game out. He, he can crash over the line. Um, you know, he's. A consistent, great performer, whether he's playing for the Roosters or whether he's playing for the Blues, um, you know, you're really lucky to have Crichton on your side. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, one of the things that was interesting about him was um, obviously his uh, defection from uh, from South Sydney uh, to the Sydney Roosters. That was, you know, we all know that's a bit of a historic rivalry. So it took a lot of it took a lot of confidence from him to, I, I guess, make that move. You know, it's uh, it's it's never easy, but you know, a lot of the players that do move to the Roosters know that, you know, that they're going there to, for the culture to 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 be under Trent and to take their game to the next level. And Tash, that's probably one of the things that I did see from from Angus Crichton is that, you know, you know, technically he looked quite gifted. He was coming through. He was a little bit of a bit of a star, but you know, what, what, one of the concepts that I kind of talk about is he got his man body. I mean, Angus Crichton has completely transformed himself physically. I mean, he is not that skinny, lanky back rower anymore from Redfern. He is he, he's an, he's an out and out superstar, and I and I think a lot of that's got to do with um, his physical transformation. Yeah, Dan, I don't know whether it's the strength and conditioning coach that um, we can credit with that, or just um, you know Mother Nature itself that that's given him his man body, but. Um, Trent certainly recognised it, and uh, they've signed him on for another two years, so he's there till the end of 2024 with the Roosters. Yeah, no, and he definitely deserves to be. And let's just quickly talk about, you know, his, his ability to, I, I guess, dominate at that next level. Let's, let's talk about his little state of origin uh, career because, you know, you think about some of the positions in the game and, and you know, halfbacks, there's not too many star halfbacks, you know, uh, hookers, that you know, the same, there's only a handful of them. You talk about the back row. That is one position that you would not, you wouldn't want to play because how can you ever uh, get into these state of origin, uh, you know, these state of origin squads when there are just so many star um, second rowers, especially for New South Wales. Not only has Angus Crichton been able to fight his way into the squad, but slowly but surely he's been able to become a really important member of that for Freddie. Yeah, he's really solid and, and Freddie recognises that. And you're right, the number 11 can be sort of like, um, you know, okay, there's 12 great number 11s. So how do you cement yourself to, to be in that um, position? But Crichton's certainly done that and um, I'd be very surprised if I didn't see he, he, uh, him in the Blues this year. 
yeah, and I guess the next step for him is, you know, he's starting to, you know, 25, you know, he's still he's still a baby in the real world. But when it comes to rugby league, he's starting to mature a little bit. And I guess, Tash, you know, I, I guess what we, you know, with, with all of this turnover, with all the retirements, with the Morrises, um, you know, Boyd Cordner, Jake Friend, you know, Angus is really going to have to step up in, in, in a leadership role in 2022. Yeah, I'm sure Mal Meninga's um, having a look at him as well with the World Cup coming up. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, well, let's talk about his opponent tonight and, uh, again, you know, these inter-club uh, rivals tonight as we see uh, Victor Radley. Tash, let, let's talk a little bit about Victor the Inflictor because, um, you know, you, you talk about the fairy tale story that, that Angus has had and he's had so much success. It hasn't always been so easy for Victor. He's He's come up against a lot of adversity some a bit self-inflicted, but again, you, you do feel sorry for Victor because it hasn't all gone his way so far in his career. Yeah, look, it's these players that have this enormous energy um, that they take onto the field, and he he can pull off some cracking tackles. And you know, you don't want to dampen that sort of enthusiasm and energy, but you know, he has faced the judiciary a few times, and um, I don't know how you sort of harness that energy and sort of get him to control because he throws his body like he's he's amazing and he lifts everybody around him so he's such a fabulous all-rounder and um he's he's got ball skills too like the the ball skill playing lock so look he's such an inspirational player it's just harnessing that um unbridled passion and enthusiasm that sometimes gets him in a bit of trouble yeah, and I think, you know, he's he's the rooster's Brandon Smith. You know, he's that larrikin. You know, he keeps the, the energy, uh, you know, around, around the club. And, you know, he's, he's just, you know, part of that, that, that different culture that the roosters have got there. I think he's a really important piece. But, um, yeah, Tash, you know, this is a player who definitely has all the talent in the world to be playing State of Origin, hasn't been able to get there because, you know, injuries, suspensions, you know, it has been, has been really challenging. But... He is only 23, and usually, you know, if, you, if you're not quite making state of origin, you just miss out because you're injured or suspension, I, I guess, that, you know, there's no worries. You know, you're, you're a younger player, but I guess the concern that I've got for Victor is just the way in which he plays the game. I, I personally don't think that Victor Radley can be playing the way that he's playing. He's not going to be a Benji Marshall. Victor's not going to be playing like this until he's 36. He is just, he has absolutely no fear he throws his complete body. You know, he's not the biggest, biggest player, but he's throwing himself 110% into every single contact. I guess what I'm saying is if he does have a bit of a, a shorter shelf life as a player, just the way in which he plays, he really does need to try and break into that, that rep football over the next few years. Yeah, Dan, at, at only 23 years of age, you know, and in the lock position, you can, and he's got all those skills, so maybe he can be around for a few years before he cracks, you know, a Blues jersey. But like you said, I think you're right, you know, that much enthusiasm, the way he throws his body around, the way he gets himself in a little bit of trouble, you just got to see, you know, geez, Victor, how long are you going to last? Is it going to be an injury, the way the way you throw your body in? Is it going to be some suspension or, you know, is it all going to work out for him? He stays there and he harnesses his his technique and his enthusiasm. Yeah, and one of the things that I think is a little bit underrated, and I think he was starting to bring it into his game before, you know, all of the, the, the you know, the injuries and the suspensions and things like that was his ball playing. I think, you know, James Tedesco, we laugh about it, but James Tedesco played in the halves last year. He also played fullback and did it at an elite level, but he was playing in the halves. 
I really feel like the Roosters, um, you know, they are going to be, again, they are going to be something special in 2022 because James Tedesco is going to be able to do his thing. Kiri's going to come back. And Victor Radley, I think what he's going to want to show the world is that, you know, the player that he's directly competing against in, in State of Origin, for example, is Azaio, you know, who's that ball player. Victor Radley is going to be very, very keen to show off all the skills that he's been working on in terms of not just being that physical um, inflictor, you know, from a defensive perspective, but also show that he can help out in attack and does have the ability to be a bit of a playmaker there in the lock position. Yeah, sure. And when the Roosters do get all their star players back and they are all on the field at once, which we anticipate they certainly will, um, then Victor can can show his ball-playing skills, can be that extra pivot at lock, which he has shown in in patches. Um, so, yeah, look, I think the Roosters are, are going to have a great year next year. And in terms of the match, we cannot sit on the fence. We've got to pick a winner in this one. Angus Crichton v Victor Adley. I'm going to jump in first. And, uh, look, you know, you asked me this 18 months ago. You know, this is very, very close. Probably, I'm probably changing my mind, but just where we're at and where, where the, where the um, I, I guess, the luck has been in these two players. I'm going to go with Angus Crichton um, just because he's been able to stay on the park, be a little bit more consistent. But, you know, here's a little bit of a bold statement. Victor Radley probably has more natural talent, I, I think. You know, Victor Radley, he is certainly something special, but... He has to play all the games next season, and if he does, um, you know he'll, he'll certainly be able to establish himself. And I've I've even said that he's a smoky uh, for the World Cup uh, World Cup squad for the Kangaroos. Um, they do have to bring a bigger squad um, over there for the World Cup. So for me, if Victor Radley plays every game, plays to his potential, he's going to be you know very frustrated about not being out on the field as much as he would like. So I think there's big things ahead. But Angus Crichton for me at the moment. Um, Tash, your pick on this one. Yeah, Dan, it is really tough to pick because for a second there I thought you're going um, Crichton. Then I thought, no, you're going Radley. But yes, okay, you've gone Crichton. I'm going Victor Radley. I I, I just think, yep, he's 23. He's under a, a really great um, club and coach, and I think he can curb that. Um, that sort of, you know, little bit of recklessness that he does have in his, his game. He's certainly um, a strong runner. He's got a high re- work rate. And that energy he plays with is definitely infectious. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Victor Radley. All right, let's jump into our final segment for tonight, Rapid Fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Your apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is saying closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. Yeah, and we're inching closer to our World Cup here as we kind of take a little bit of a brief look at some of the nations that will be competing. And uh, tonight we're looking at Fiji, and uh, we're just going to spotlight one particular player to keep an eye on within the Fijian system. Uh, Tasha, again, we've, we've seen a little bit from the Bari, um over the last few years sort of establishing themselves in the international um, game, but who's one particular player that you're going to have your eye on? Biliami uh, Kikau. I think um, will be the player to watch for Fiji. I'm not sure. I mean, sure, he had a had a great season. He, you know, won the grand final, etc. But um, I think he's going to have a better season next next year. Um, you know, like he he's tackle efficiency is still over ninety percent. But I don't, don't think we saw him at his absolute best. And I think he's really going to find that form back again that saw him in the 2020 Dalian Team of the Year. Um, and certainly the player of the watch in, uh, for Fiji for the World Cup. 
Yeah, he definitely has a special moment in him, and uh, you could just see him in a final in a World Cup just produce something spectacular. And uh, you know, the Kangaroos—they're going to be—they're going to be absolute, you know, dominant favourites coming into this competition. But you know, there's going to be a few players around that are going to really test them. And you know, one player for me is um, his clubmate Appy Corusout. Now. You know, Appy, you know, we've got to remember, you know, first of all, you know, if we look at State of Origin, uh, he was, you know, there was a lot of people calling for him to start over Damien Cook. Damien Cook, he's probably won that, um, won that position. It's going to be really interesting to see whether Mal uh, brings him into the Kangaroo squad or lets him play for Fiji. That's going to be very interesting to watch. You know, th- this is where I'd like to see conversations happen to say, you know, from Appy to say, look, if, if I'm not going to be the starting nine for the Australian Kangaroos, I want to play for my home country in Fiji. I'd love to see that happen. I wouldn't like to see him just be a squad player uh, because, you know, I think he'd play every game in the number nine, obviously, for Fiji. So for me, Api um, again, he's going to have another big season, a player who's often underestimated, but an absolutely um, spectacular player. All right, well, that's all the time we have tonight. Tars, just want to thank you for, uh, yeah, talking all things rugby league. Great to have a little one-on-one show tonight. Obviously, Alicia will be back with us next week, but, uh, yeah, great to always talk all things rugby league. And to our listeners, we hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode. If you did, please download, download, download the podcast. Don't just listen to it. Please download the podcast. Um, That way we can see you and all of our great listeners who are tuning into Mojo Sports. Um, if you did, uh, love, our, love our show. Uh, please share with family and friends. Um, and as always, until next week, we'll see you then. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.